From Brown Cow Studios in Gallatin Gateway, Montana, I'm Ezra Graham. We're joined by New York Times science and global health reporter Aporva Mandavilli and Michaeline Duclef, a correspondent for NPR's Science Desk. All this week on News Nerds for Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. They share the reporting on the new COVID-19 variant Omicron, which was detected on November 23rd in South Africa. The World Health Organization labeled the variant a variant of concern. That's all coming up. Now, this week, Book Nook is back, but we don't really have a book to recommend. We have a podcast to recommend. It's hosted by Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. Its guests include Stephen Colbert, Kamala Harris, and Neil deGrasse Tyson, and they always play a little guessing game, just like this one. The podcast I'm talking about is Smartless. Smartless is a great comedy podcast that the hosts created to become, well, uh, less smartless. One of the three acclaimed actors and comedians invites a guest that the other two don't know about, and the two that are dead from the neck up as to who the guest is try to guess. The show is really fun, and you also actually learn things. They try to uh, get really great guests on the show, ones that at least I enjoy. Even Will Arnett's ad for Athletic Brewing is great. I'm so glad I was told about this show, and you should go check it out, too. Find the Smartlist podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are about to throw a party in here because it's time for the Geographical Location Challenge. This is of the great time of the podcast where I get to look at everybody from around the world who is listening in. Uh, and it's just very, very fun. And we haven't done this in a while, so this is going to be great. Uh, let's start internationally, as we always do, with the U.S., which now has 96% of all News Nerds listeners. Norway takes second this week with 1% of all News Nerds listeners, and the following countries have less than 1%. Germany, Canada, Portugal, Australia, the United Kingdom, Mexico, the Philippines, France, Pakistan, Kuwait, New Zealand, Bosnia and Herzegovina, India, the Netherlands, Tuvalu, Switzerland, Spain, South Africa, Finland, Thailand, Sweden, and the Bahamas. Now let's go to the U.S., where we have our first place winner, Virginia. Yeah! 13% of all U.S. listeners. New Jersey takes second this week with 8%. And Ohio and Washington tie for third place with 6% of all news nerds listeners in the United States. And that's it for this party edition of the Geographical Location Challenge. New York Times science and global health reporter Apoorva Mandalivi joins us to talk about the Omicron variant, which was discovered in South Africa on November 23rd. The WHO labels the variant a variant of concern, only the fifth variant to be given this labeled. Apoorva, thank you so much for being with us. It's a pleasure, Ezra. Also joining us is Michaeline Duclef. She's a correspondent for NPR's Science Desk. Thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So the Omicron variant has been detected in the U.S. Um, so where has it spread so far? 
and we're talking on a Saturday. So uh, when my listeners hear this, things will probably have changed. But as of now, what, where has it spread? It's in about a dozen states by now. And it was interesting, actually, yesterday we started the day with five or six, and then throughout the day, we just kept hearing more and more reports. And I think we'll hear a lot more today. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if within a couple of days we get up to almost all 50. I'll just add to that that it's probably actually everywhere, right? So our level of detection is not fantastic. It's, it's okay. But for every case that we're detecting, right, there's many, many that we haven't. And a lot of states don't do a lot of testing or surveillance for it. So in places like Texas, where I am, we don't sequence much. So it's probably here and we just can't see it. So the variant was discovered in South Africa on November 23rd. Uh, how did scientists detect the new variant? There's a whole dramatic story to that um, that, I, that actually started in Botswana um, and scientists there thought they had they were seeing something strange, but then they reached out to this excellent team in South Africa, um, led by one particular scientist called Tulio de Oliveira, who's been all over Twitter talking about stuff like this, um, but he and his colleagues wanted to look at the sequence of the variant, so they did that the Tuesday before Thanksgiving just a couple of days before Thanksgiving. And uh, when they saw the sequence, they got very nervous. They realized this was something not very good, possibly really dangerous. And so then they sequenced a lot more samples. They called the South African government, they called the WHO. And by Thursday, you know, everybody knew about it. We were all hearing about it as we were sitting down to Thanksgiving. Um, and then by Friday, the WHO had declared it a variant of concern. So it, everything moved very quickly. That whole arc was dramatic and much more dramatic than it's been for any other variant. So why do you think that Omicron originated in Africa? I think at this point, we don't know. Um, there's been a lot of speculation about it possibly being in an immunocompromised person. So a person whose immune system isn't working so well. We know that people who, who are immunocompromised can carry the virus for a long time in their bodies and can infect people during that time. We're talking about like months, even a year. And during that time, the, um, the virus can evolve and change to, to fight the immune system. So that's one possibility. But I think there is also a possibility that it's been spreading in parts of the world, especially Sub-Saharan Africa, without much surveillance. So it could just be because it's been spreading really widely for over a year now, you know, almost two years. And then the third possibility is that it could have been in an animal. So gone, jumped into an animal, spreading in an animal for a while, mutating, and then jumped back into people. So I think those are the, the big possibilities. And I think it will take time for us to figure out which one of those possibilities is most likely. We don't actually know exactly you know, where it originated, all we know is where it was first detected. And that's because of these scientists who are on top of it, but it could have been circulating in Europe or anywhere else for a long time. We just really don't know. And we will probably, hopefully find out at some point, but that's one of the reasons we're hearing about all of these cases so quickly is because it's already been everywhere. We're just starting to find out now that we're looking for it. So the, the Omicron variant has, uh, 50, about 50 mutations, and more than two dozen of those mutations are uniquely uh, tied to Omicron. 
Why are those 50 variants so concerning to the WHO and scientists that have been researching this? Um, so a lot of the, first of all, a lot of the mutations are on the surface of the protein that interacts with human cells. So the way that the, the virus enters into a cell is it first kind of sticks to a cell and then makes its way in, convinces the cell to let it in. And a lot of the mutations are on that surface. Uh, and those, that surface also happens to be the surface that the immune system detects. So that when you get vaccinated or you get sick, your immune system builds up a big defense against this guy and it detects the virus through that same surface. So a lot of those mutations that are on that surface are known to help the virus sneak around the immune system and possibly help the virus get into human cells more easily. So although Omicron is really new, a lot of the mutations that are on it aren't so new. The scientists have been studying them for a long time and they're known to be to change the behavior of the virus, make it more immune evasive or make it more transmissible. That said, we've never seen them all in combination before. So we don't know how, you know, when all those mutations are put together, well, you know, what the end point will be, what the result will be, because mutations kind of depend on each other quite a lot. There's also you know, we, we don't know how those mutations work together. And there are also some mutations that we've never seen before in an actual variant that, that we've only seen in modeling studies when scientists sort of played around with the sequence and said, if this mutation comes up, it's likely to, at some point, it's not going to be good. And it was like, uh, this variant has a lot of those, we never want to see kind of mutations together. So that really made them nervous. And the reason we worry about the vaccines not working is because the virus, uh, this version of the virus has mutations in the three most important parts of the virus for immune recognition. So in the past, there was one other variant, beta, which circulated in South Africa, that had mutations in two of those important regions, and that was already bad enough. So now we're seeing mutations in all three, and that makes scientists extremely nervous about the ability of this variant to get around not just vaccines, but also natural infection and really any kind of immune defense that the variant puts up. And we're already seeing, there's actually uh, some evidence in the last couple of days that's come out saying that um, the people who've had COVID before are much more likely to be reinfected with Omicron than they were with the previous, you know, the original version of, of the virus. And both of you have been covering Omicron for the past few days, and I encourage listeners to go on to npr.org or nytimes.com to check out the reporting. Uh, so do you think travel restrictions that many countries have put in place were effective at preventing the Omicron variant from being detected, or was it just already going to you know, get into their country, whether or not those restrictions were put in place? Okay, I can take a shot at this. <laughs> um, you know, the travel restrictions, whether they work or not, is kind of controversial at this point, but almost every public health expert I've spoken with has said, if they work at all, they might work by delaying by just a few days. So by the time we've discovered that the variant is somewhere, it probably is everywhere, as McLean said earlier. So we're just kidding ourselves when we think that by stopping travel from seven countries or eight countries, that we're going to stop it from coming into ours because it's already been in all these other European countries. It's probably been in the U.S., so um, it's a little bit like closing the barn door after the horse is long, long gone. Totally agree. So do we know if the new variant is more deadly? This 
is the major question at this point, I think, you know, is, is not whether it's more deadly, but you know, is, does it cause more severe disease? Does it cause less severe disease? Is it more mild? There's all these rumors all over the internet. And at this point, we really, really don't know. Like, it takes a lot of time to figure this question out because it depends on the population, the people that it's infecting, right? If it infects very young people that are healthy, it can look like my, my, a milder illness. But we really don't know what's going to happen when it gets into a population that's older, maybe has a lot more risk factors. Um, so at this point, I think we have no clue. And I think we need to be patient and wait and really see what the data tell us on this point. Right. And the populations of South Africa and the U.S. are so different that it's just kind of hard to uh, tell at this point. And uh, thanks for both of your reporting on that. Um, and do we know if regular COVID vaccines will work against the Omicron variant? Is there any data on that or is this just another topic that we need to wait and see on? So this is the, the question that the scientists that I talk to are really losing some sleep over because they have basically said that based on the mutations that Omicron has, there is almost no chance that we won't see an effect. It's just a matter of how big that effect is and whether it translates to really strong clinical effect, like will we see people get sicker because the immune system is not kicking in quickly enough or strongly enough. Um, we do have to wait for the lab experiments to give us some results. There's a lab in South Africa in particular that's pretty far ahead. And um, when I last spoke to that scientist, she said they would probably have results in about a week to 10 days. So we will probably find out soon enough. Um, but in the meantime, we do have the signal from people who have gotten reinfected. You know, this South African team looked at people who have been infected at least 90 days earlier so that it's clear that it's a reinfection, that it's a second infection. And they found that uh, with Omicron, the risk of getting reinfected is 2.4 times more than it was for the original version of the virus. And if that's happening with natural infection, there's a pretty good chance it'll happen with vaccines too, because there's really no reason to think that one is going to be so different from the other. So you probably will see a fairly significant impact on vaccines. I'll add to that that I think that we also have to be careful to differentiate between protection against an infection and protection against like hospitalization and severe disease, right? So there, the immune system kind of has two different sections for those two things. What kind of prevents the infection are the antibodies and those are going to take a hit. There's really little doubt in people's minds, you know, so we're going to see more infections. I think there's good hope that um, from the people I talked to, including the, the, the people at Pfizer who are working on the vaccine, you know that there's gonna be some protection against severe disease and hospitalization because that arm of the immune system isn't so sensitive to all these mutations. You know, so we have a bunch of other kind of weaponry <laughs> that, that kicks in after you get infected and clears out the virus really quickly so you don't end up in the hospital. Um, and so my fingers are crossed and I feel very optimistic that we're gonna we're going to, that's going to hang on, especially if we get, you know, older people and people that are more vulnerable boosted, which I think is, is really important at this point to get that third shot. I, I, I agree with Michaeline that we should stay optimistic, but I, I think the T cells are also going to be affected because some of the mutations are in parts of the protein that the T cells recognize. So there's not a chance really that none of it will be affected. We will also see a drop. Hopefully that drop won't be as big as we will see with antibodies. 
And also what they're seeing is that the mutations are in parts that may only affect a subset of people because uh, everybody makes a different set of T cells. Everybody makes a different set of T cells that recognize slightly different parts of the protein. And so a lot will depend on exactly which parts get affected. And we may see that some people, especially some parts of like a given population, may see a lot of effect and other people may see none at all. So that's another question that we really need to know the answer to. And for that too, there are people working on it and we should know the answer in 10 days to two weeks. Um, but there's some really good uh, modeling work that's come out in the last couple of days and it suggests that there will probably be something like 70% um, effectiveness. So we'll see a 30% or so drop, but again, we should really wait for the lab data. Now, how do you model um, the, the Omicron variant infecting somebody who has the vaccine um, if you don't have, if you don't, if you don't want to infect somebody, a real person, how do, how would people in the lab try to model that? Well, they have these very sophisticated computer simulations where they can look at the structure of the protein. They can look at um, exactly what having a mutation would do to change the shape of the protein. And that will tell them whether antibodies will still recognize the protein, still bind it, um, and so that, that way they can sort of guess at it. And then there are, you know, the lab experiments, they're not actually just doing modeling, they're looking at actual people who've been vaccinated, taking their blood samples and testing it against this fake version of the virus that they build, um, where, you know, it's got a sort of backbone and then they add in all of the mutations that Omicron has and they test that and see, do, do, you know, does the blood from these people who've been vaccinated still work against the um the, the variant. But um, as Michaeline said, it's also really important to remember about T cells and those experiments that I just talked about can only tell you about antibody recognition. Really what will decide whether people end up getting really sick and getting hospitalized and dying is that T cell and B cell response, that is immune cells that need to kick in. And that we won't know um, until we see these experiments with uh, the T cells. How I also want to bring up that um... A really interesting facet of this has been this idea of hybrid immunity, or some scientists even call it super immunity, which I think gives us a lot of optimism too, again, about the future um, with these variants. So in, there's been some experiments looking at people who have had COVID and then get vaccinated, right? So you have kind of this, this priming and then boosting effect of the vaccine. And what they found is these people have, a very, have antibodies that are very broad they can not only detect the variants that are out there, but they can detect the first SARS virus that, that, that was back in like, what it was, was it 2000 and, what was it? 2003, 2002, 2003, yes. So they can detect this virus and they can even detect things that are in animals right now and pangolins. And so I think what this tells us is that with enough exposure and kind of training, our immune system gets really good at detecting a broad range of SARS-CoV-2 variants. And so maybe we just need to keep working that immune system a little bit more with, with vaccines and um, we'll, we'll build up kind of more natural immunity to a broad, broad look at the, at, the, at the variants. So not just the variants that are here now, but variants that can arise in the future, because this thing is gonna continue to change. How much um, how did the vaccines take a hit when Delta was discovered? 
That was actually the best piece of news about Delta, that it was so contagious, but that the vaccines really did not take much of a hit. You know, in those lab experiments, the kind that I was describing, it showed a bit of a drop, not much. Um, but in, in the real world, we didn't really see a huge drop at all in um, how sick people got or how, you know, how many ended up in the hospital. It was more because it was just contagious and had a lot of um, virus that built up in people's bodies. But um, the vaccines themselves were still effective against severe illness. I know that there's a lot of conversation about the vaccines no longer working against Delta, but that is against that infection piece that Michaeline was talking about. People were more likely to get infected, but we did not really see people under 65 get sicker or end up in the hospital at any higher rates than we did with other versions of the virus. So I'll, uh, we'll be watching that and... Um... So will the vaccine companies. So, and how are they reacting to the Omicron variant? Well, I've only, I haven't spoken with Moderna, um, but the reporting that from Pfizer, you know, they're taking, they're, they're taking this very seriously. I think one of the, the scientific director told us that he's cautiously optimistic that three shots will give meaningful protection. That was the quote. So that, so they are, they are very concerned. And at the same time, they are quickly trying to make a new version of the vaccine directly targeted at Omicron. Um, and, you know, they've also, Pfizer also has this, this, this drug treatment that they're working on. Um, but they, there's no doubt, look, that experiment that Horvath was talking about where they detected reinfections in South Africa, they did not detect reinfections with beta or delta. And beta, has quite a few mutations that look immune evasive. So the fact that they are detecting a signal with this guy really implies it's quite, quite immune evasive. I did actually talk to Moderna as well, um, not just Pfizer. And the Moderna CEO said that when he heard about all of the mutations, that he was really nervous, that the scientists that work for him told him that they were really nervous because um, you know it was like seeing everything together, all these bad things. And actually, I spoke with the chief scientific officer for Moderna, and he said this was like the Frankenstein mix of mutations, which uh, I think made it into the, um, the ether somewhere, because people like those kinds of quotes. But he basically, what he was trying to say is that everything that you didn't want to see was all together in one thing. And so immediately on that Tuesday that I mentioned, when the South African scientists uh, found out about this variant um, and they started you know, telling the world about it, Moderna started doing its work that day. They immediately started looking into whether the vaccines would work and sort of laying the groundwork for um, making a new version in case that's needed. So those um, two companies that you spoke to have a mRNA vaccine. Do you know anything about the J&J shot and how they're reacting? They're reacting very similarly. They're also um, you know, concerned. They're also doing the same kind of lab test to see if the J&J vaccine works against this variant. And if it doesn't, they're going to gear up and make a different version of it as well. And how long would that take if we would need a new COVID vaccine specifically for Omicron? Um, how long would that take for those companies to make a new vaccine? For the mRNA vaccines, at least, it's a relatively easy procedure. So the vaccine um, has this genetic code that it uses from the virus. And what they have to do is just go in and change that code. So it's not as complicated as making it the first time. And what I heard from both companies is that they can probably make a new version, um, you know, in about 
six weeks and be able to test it and have it out in about two to three months after that. Um, so that's not too bad a timeline. And I think, you know, we, we really, if they move very quickly and if the FDA moves very quickly, helping them figure out exactly what they need to find out before the, the new version can go on the market, we could see a new version in three to four months. Well, uh, Michaeline and Apoorva, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you for having me. Thank Wonderful. you very much. And I'm going to tell my son that he has, there's somebody his age who's doing a whole podcast. That was Apoorva Mandavili. She is a science and global health reporter for the New York Times. And Michaeline Duclap, a correspondent for NPR's Science Desk. Sooner. That's it for this week's episode of News Nerds. You can find us on the web at newsnerdspodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes of News Nerds, Cow Pies, and other News Nerds extras. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. While you're there, please subscribe to the podcast. While you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Another way to listen is by listening every other week on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on KJVM, Community Radio, for the Gallatin Valley. If you are not in the Gallatin Valley area, go to KJVM's website, kgvm.org, to listen on their live stream. So, you know, Apoorva, well, she is bilingual, which is actually not true. She can speak five languages, but bi wouldn't fit into the word that means fluent in five languages, which might be like quinlingual. Well, anyway, bi wouldn't fit into that. So that's, that's what, you know, that's what happened. But uh, she is, uh, she's fluent in five languages. And uh, we'll be back next week with Scott Horsley from NPR, the chief economics reporter. And until then, have a very, very merry week. Uh.